I'm Chris Stewart. Welcome to our final Empire podcast of the year. This one is epic. This one is long. Not Chris McQuarrie, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, Spoiler Special long, but you can't have everything. This is our review of the year. The filmic year, that is, because if we reviewed 2016, the year itself, it would just be four people screaming into a microphone for two hours, and <laughs> believe me, nobody wants that. So we're going to stick to films and TV here. Uh, join me for the next 90 minutes or so. I've already lopped off half an hour <laughs> from, <laughs> from the, for the last paragraph. Two hours, 90 minutes. Next is going to be an hour. Uh, three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Helen O'Hara. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Nick DeSimlian. <laughs> Yep, good. Excellent small talk. James Dyer. <laughs> Greetings. Let's move on. Um, we're doing something slightly different for the review of the year this year. We have had you send in lots of questions via Twitter and via uh, email as well. We're going to be tackling those, as many of them as we can, very, very soon. But first of all, just before we do that, impressions of the year, cinematically speaking. Cinematically speaking. Bad uh, year? So important. I think it was generally a bad summer for blockbusters with one huge star-spangled exception and I think it was a very, very good year for animation and for smaller films Agreed Jimbo? Yes it has not been a good year in general it has been one of the worst but and and, and sort of cinematically I guess yeah it's been a bit of a mixed bag we've had a Star Wars film which was good which was exciting you know we've had lots of fun we've had Wilder People Independent which is brilliant so yeah I'm, I'm with Helen on this across the board and we had Arrival which is my film of the year which I love so oh, there's been a lot of stuff oh. and then equally spoiler we also had X-Men Apocalypse so it's been a mixed bag a mixed bag Nick it's been a good year for animation I think Although my mind is going a bit blank and I can't remember all the great animations that have come out, but there are a lot Kubo of... Kubo and the Two Strings. Kubo and the Two Strings. Moana. Moana. Is it Normalizer this year? Yep. Okay. Uh, yes. In the UK it was, yeah. Is it Normalizer or Normalizer? I can never get that Normalizer, I believe. A Normalizer okay. is something you shoot someone with. There's okay. a character in it called Lisa. So it's definitely a Normalisa. Um, and I, I really enjoyed Sausage Party as well when I saw that. Um, I saw that in San Diego at Comic Con in a room with Seth Rogen laughing uproariously at all his own jokes. Like that. It enhanced it immeasurably. But like listening to my, the podcast. That's cool. Yeah, good year. All right. So here's how it's going to work. You guys send in your questions. I'm going to take them in the order in which we received them for the most part, and we're going to tackle them. Okay? All right. As quickly and definitively as we possibly can. First one is from Lucian Waugh Daily uh, via email. Best and worst posters slash trailers of 2016. Ooh. That's a big Ooh. one. Yeah. That's a big one. Do we conclude trailers for next year? So can I say my worst trailer of 2016 is yeah. Transformers? Because it I just was so baffled. No sense. None. What is it about? I just, yeah, that's an appalling trailer. My favourite is probably the first Rogue One trailer just because I think you know that really slow Imperial <laughs> March to heaven there and the, the Death Star clacks and I thought that was incredibly well cut really atmospheric uh, that I think probably tied with the uh, Johnny Cash Logan trailer oh yeah um, that's a fantastic as, trailer as Ian Freer said you could you could shoot Ian's ass from 90 seconds and put it to that song and it would be one of the I best trailers so. I don't want to shoot I, no, that's not, <laughs> I don't want to do no, that no, no, he, he did that. that he actually did that yeah and was it as effective? I didn't want to watch. <laughs> no, Ian has not done that. Yeah. Good choices. Good choices. I haven't been honestly keeping up with posters this year. I don't know. What's what's big in the poster world? Um, some some of the, the Captain America Civil War posters, I really like the, the two IMAX posters with the red and the blue backgrounds were cool. Yeah. Um, there were some alternate Kubo posters, I think also for IMAX possibly, which were great. Some of the Deadpool art was inspired. Um, oh, yeah, Deadpool. 
Deadpool, yeah. no? Deadpool. Oh, and the one with the hand. The Doctor Strange one with the hand. Yeah. That, that was, was really one. clever. Show me the hand poster. I've seen yeah. a lot of great alternate posters this year. A lot of people, you know, doing their own takes on stuff for people like Mondo. Mm-hmm. That's been interesting. But yeah, I think Deadpool was the best marketed movie of the year. Oh yeah, mm. no question. Overall marketing, no no question. Yeah, just uh, really funny. Really got the message across that this is a a, a different movie from the the, like, the superhero films that you have seen and are going to see this year. Uh, I love that about three weeks later, Batman Superman, a movie where the first joke is cracked about five hours into it. <laughs> there was a joke? There was a joke. The oh. bit where Lois Lane says to Perry White, oh, I want to fly... Coach, no, I'm gonna, I want to fly to Washington, which is a real place that exists in that world, and uh, or she wants to fly somewhere, and he goes, Coach, and she goes, Coach Plus, that's a joke. Is that a joke? That sounds a lot like that's just, a joke. Just Isn't travel, just, travel no. planning. I that's believe a, that is to use your words, yeah. bants. It is bants. It's it's their version of the front page. It's their version of His Girl Friday. It's oh. fast paced, snappy newsroom banter. Yeah. So there we go. So Deadpool. <laughs> Poster-wise, as well, I'm going to give a shout-out to Suicide Squad. Uh, the film was not necessarily mm-hmm. amazing, but I thought the poster campaign, and actually the trailer as well, yeah. was very effective. Nice guys as well. I'd also like to mention, just in terms of bright colours, mm-hmm. um, those orange and yellow backgrounds and those posters were very cool. Oh, the Neon Demon had a good poster. It had a good poster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, actually, I had a good poster. Weirdly enough, I think the first... High-rise are good posters, but the f- best high-rise poster was the one that they announced when they first announced the project, and it was just a very, very simple uh, kind of hand-drawn skyscraper thing. Uh, skyscraper mm-hmm. thing, a skyscraper. I really liked that, but that probably came out in 2014, maybe even 15, so I'll maybe discount that one. Uh, Lucian Waldaily also wants to know what our favorite uh, Empire cover and uh, issue was of the year. That's a no-brainer. Subscribers issue row one. I love that cover. The Death Star plans. Love it. Love it. I really liked Subscribers issue Suicide Squad. Uh, Harley Quinn on the bomb. Yeah, that's good was really too. cool. I do love our subscribers cover. They're if fantastic. You don't subscribe. Oh. Do so now. Yes, <laughs> we might as well. Uh, yes. So subscribers to the magazine get ultra cool. Uh, one-off subscribers covers, which are which are very very awesome. So oh, in the Batman Superman one, the the, the drawing that was, it was Jim Lee, wasn't it? Jim Lee, yeah, Jim it's incredible. Lee. Yeah, love Jim Lee. So that was a good one. I like the Deadpool poster where he's holding the gun down and pretending it's his Willy. <laughs> you infant. Talking of Willy's <laughs> sausage party, I'm not. I'm going to talk about other films, not just sausage party, but that did make me titter. It's essentially just a uh, a sausage erection with the tagline "A hero will rise." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice and subtle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> funny, funny, funny. All right. The artist known only and enigmatically as Graham, because uh, I didn't write down your surname, asks, given the box office failure or underperformance of several sequels that no one asked for or really wanted in 2016, he goes on to list Ghostbusters, Independence Day, Snow White, um, and The Huntsman Winter's War, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland, and to a much lesser extent Jason Bourne, which was a success. Do you think Hollywood might actually learn a lesson from this? No. <sighs> no. It's, it's possible. I do think we're seeing a change in how things are working, and I do think we're, we're living through tumultuous times for the studios. What we saw this year is Disney like fully engaging beast mode, like they've had their record <laughs> year by October. Well, next and year Moana, they're going to really engage beast but mode. But this is it. Moana and Rogue One haven't it's been true. counted yet, and they've already got their yeah. biggest year ever. That's 
an astonishing and astonishing uh, success for them. And they're doing that by, okay, yes, they're absolutely investing in sequels and, and these ongoing universes, but they're also investing in storytelling. And I think that's showing the gap that's developing between them and certain other studios. And the big successes of the year have included quite a lot of, you know, maybe ad- adapted stories, but original to the screen, the big screen. The Secret Life of Pets was one of the biggest hits worldwide of this year. It's, How? It's not even good, people. Are you kidding me? <laughs> How? How? Um, I just can't get over. I saw that film last weekend. I can't get over the cat's anus. The, why? Oh, why have they got the cat's anus? Who animated it? Why? It just I'm like sorry. it's. it's I, I, I watched it on a plane, and I wanted to watch Walk Eye, as the saying goes. It's it's terrible. too much detail. Um, really, there's a cat's anus. There I, is one of the, yeah. One of the cats has uh, their bottom has <laughs> been animated in quite a lot of detail. Uh, moving on. Um, yeah, I just hope Pixar move a little bit more because it's interesting that Disney are now the ones who are doing the original Disney animation are doing the the original stuff whereas Pixar have Cars Free and The Incredibles Incredibles I saw Samuel L. Jackson tweeting that that just started recording today Incredibles 2 but they're also moving on with Coco they're they're moving back I think a little bit Mm. more towards original stories I think that's what they've they've kind of announced I hope so because Finding Finding Dory was one of the biggest disappointments I think Mm. John, apart from John, yeah. John, 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 I, I liked it a lot. I really, really liked it. I just, mm. I, I think um, it, it didn't, it wasn't quite as transcendent an experience as some of the Pixar sequels have yeah. been. You know. Sea otters were good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gave them that. Gerald, 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 get off the rock. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was the it's a funny And of course, it has. I, I don't know if we have a question about the best cameo of the year. I'm not sure we but, do actually. But it has probably the best cameo of the year, which is Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver, Weaver. Yeah, as herself. Mm. Very, but very good. Going indeed. back to the question, which was what you know, nah, has, has Hollywood learned anything? Um, I, I honestly think the learning experience from this year was probably Deadpool, wasn't it? Because that caught people by surprise. This is an R-rated, incredibly non-PG-13 movie, which did incredibly well. And I think maybe that's the I won't call it a game changer, but maybe that's the lesson that there's potential there. I, th- I think that's helped, but then you've got something like Warcraft, which was original and is based on a successful property and did no, you know, did not do huge business. It actually did over 400 worldwide, but for the budget that that mm. must have cost, that's probably not enough. So yeah, I mean, I, w- I wonder if the success of the big animated kids' movies of varying degrees of brilliance. I mean, Zootopia at one end scale was genuinely, phenomenally smart. Then you have The Secret Life of Pets. You have Ice Age Collision Course, God help us, is in the (laughs) top 20 movies of the year at the box office. Really? That's the one where they go to space? Uh, Yes, and Kung Fu Panda 3, and, 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 and. I mean, (laughs) Angry Birds is number 20 at the worldwide box office this year. Yeah. Um, it's just an easy thing for parents to drive their kids to. Yeah. Like, oh, oh goodness, they will sit down for an hour and, and stop bothering yeah. me, maybe. The Secret Life of Pets is the most anodyne animation I've seen in a long, long time. I fear, for the most part, movies by Illumination. I mean, you need Illumination, otherwise <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see them, but yeah. the, the studio... That wouldn't work. Chris, Chris. Chris, Chris Melodandry's just behind you. No! <laughs> He looks really angry. The infernal Milladandri. He gets everywhere. Um, but yeah, with sequels, I think there was a general sense of fatigue, wasn't there, when they announced that there were five more Fantastic Beasts coming. Four, four more. Four, four more. more, sorry. Yeah. What's, uh, what do you say, Helen, every time this comes up in the podcast? You say... Four more. And you say there's a little spiel you go through. Not three, not five. What oh, is that? Neither to three nor to five shall you count. Four shall be the number of the sequels. There we go. Well, it's been written, the scriptures. <laughs> low it shall be. But yeah, the same with Avatar as well. It's a sense when they announce that many films in advance, yeah. you just go, oh. 
even if you like the original film, mm. it's exhausting just thinking about it. It's just a, a realization I think that happened this year to all of us. As much as I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as much as I love Star Wars, the realization that when I die, and may that be many years in the future, Star Wars and Marvel movies will continue without me, and they will just you know. They should stop. Not just that, but you, 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 may, you may be resurrected as a character. That's right. <laughs> and animated. You'll be on the 19th Death Star. You're like a CG Chris Hewitt. Point. The point being, yes. I'm not sure that they will learn... Anything. Much. Ever. Much. I don't know that they'll learn much, because Mine's I think there's deal. so much money riding on this, and it costs so much money to make so many of these films, that there is only so much they can learn, because mm. they can't take risks based on completely nothing. Mm. And so it, it it still takes an enormous amount of effort to get an original movie made. And all credit to those who do. I mean, all credit to anybody who gets any movie made, let's yeah. be honest. It's a hugely uh, difficult endeavor. But to get an original movie made on a big scale in this oh, day yeah. and age is, is stunning. Even something like Arrival, uh, which will probably make once all said and done if it gets an Oscar bump it depends on whether it gets Oscar nominations obviously but it's probably going to come in about 200 million dollars worldwide mm. best case scenario mm. for an original movie with no stars and a 43 well no stars you know what I mean by when I, when I say that I mean there are obviously stars in that movie but no people who open yeah. movies to great extent but it is spectacularly uncommercial it's a, it's a cerebral movie it's a movie that challenges you that makes you think uh, it stars that bloke from the Avengers and her out of Superman and that's how people see it mm. but for that to make 200 million that's like a drop in the ocean compared to Fantastic Beasts or Suicide Squad or Civil War and that's the most successful original movie of the year probably along with The uh, the Accountant you know we have it's a strange situation I feel that this is an oil tanker turning and I feel that Hollywood will learn lessons from the the fact that so many films have crashed and burned this year but it'll take a while for that lesson to really filter through yeah, well. the saddest thing for me this year is the number of original films really original films that failed spectacularly failed at the box office one of which I know is Nick's one of the next favourite films of the year which is pop star Never Stop Never Stopping yeah. uh, probably the funniest film of the year for me absolutely and it made well how much the states four pounds fifty something like that and, and four dollars fifty four dollars fifty it's about the same now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hashtag Brexit <laughs> hashtag politics um, and that's just a bit of a shame to me uh, and Hollywood's not really going to want to turn around uh, what are they going to make well, this you know. is it. This is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because if you look at the list this year, um, and again, worldwide is slightly skews things because then you get you are getting the big blockbusters because they do better overseas. That's yeah. the that's the kind of perceived wisdom. But the classic comedy, the cla- star driven comedy, the classic uh, rom com, the rom com is all but dead at the moment, and that used to be Hollywood's reliable mid budget moneymaker, those are really suffering worldwide because they don't travel, I guess. And Hollywood is now thinking globally and therefore it's thinking in terms of explosions mm. and An- animation. Yeah, animated comedy does well. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it's hopefully they'll learn the lesson that if it's a lazy sequel with no purpose to it, you know, if you look at the, the flops, Independence Day, Snow White, Alice, Alice Through the Looking Glass, they didn't really do anything particularly, whereas Civil War was a sequel, but it did something you'd never seen yeah. with those characters. Yeah. And the same with Rogue One, in a sense, it's kind of a sequel. But it does something you'd, you'd never seen, and it yeah. feels different, especially in the third act. So hopefully it will make them be a bit smarter and a bit more ambitious with the sequels. Amen. And yet, just with my cynical hat on, understand that Hollywood are not trying to make good movies, they're trying to make profitable movies. So yeah, but an important the, distinction. Yeah, but, but if the better ones are performing better, yeah. then that, that will teach them something, won't it? 
How much did the Minions movie make? Remind me. You know, I, I think if they make another Ghostbusters film, hopefully the lesson they'll take is that people don't just want to see the original film recycled, beat mm. for beat, that they want to do something original with it. I hope. Mm. I don't think that's the lesson they'll take from that one. But no, that's, that's, a, particular, it, yeah. that's yeah. a particular case. It is. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But I, I do think there is a value long term. You know, box office is not where you make your money, really. Box office is, generally speaking, certainly nine times out of ten, a loss leader for money down the line. You make your money in ancillary streams. You make your money from TV, from airlines, from video, from streaming, all of that. Selling and t-shirts so, outside the cinema, that's a big t- thing. Genuinely, that's a big so, thing. I mean, merchandising is the reason we have a third Cars movie coming. So yep. it, goodness affects all of those long term. Mm, that's true. I mean, that, that's always been Walt Disney's strategy. That was always his thing. He was like, I'm not making it for this year's box office, I'm making it forever. And that is a winning business strategy too. Jack Naven via email asks, how is it possible that Sing Street is not on Empire's list of the 25 best movies of the year? I get the taste is subjective, but looking at a lot of the list, I can't believe this is not higher up than some of them. Now, I agree. Before you, before, yes, but before you say <laughs> anything, uh, we are going to count down our top 25 of the year in reverse order at the end of the podcast. Spoiler alert, Sing Street is not on there. Here's the thing. If a movie you really like, and this happens, I think, for all of us, isn't on there, it's Entirely because of democracy. Here's how we do it. Uh, as we've learned this year, democracy. As we, democracy is problematic. <laughs> I know. Democracy is. Yeah, we, we still respect it at Empire Towers. Do you, think, do you think our list might have been hacked? I think the Russians may have had it. Mm. I'm sure Sing Street yeah. was on it. Well, this is my answer. If you, if you have a film that you really, really like and it's not on the list, my answer is either it's number 26 or <laughs> the Russians hacked it. It's Putin. It's Putin. Putin yeah. saw Sing Street. Yeah. He hated it. Yeah, so email Vladimir.putin <laughs> at CompuServe. Russia. Are you? <laughs> are you? And uh, put the subject heading, are you having a laugh re Sing Street? Um, but also we Nick, you collated it this year. How do you how do they they were everyone votes and then they have a top ten and then you uh, assign points so the, the Top film of the year, someone's favourite film gets 10 points, yep. and their 10th favourite film gets one point, and then you collate it that way. That's exactly. how it works, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm really good at maths. <laughs> I actually watched you do this. Yeah. yeah. This is amazing. It didn't, it didn't make it any easier. I stood over your shoulder. It was terrifying. Scrutinised your mathematics. Um, but yeah, that's how we did it. We collated all the staff members and all the freelancers, so it was a big pool of people, mm-hmm. and I think with some of the smaller films, maybe just not enough people got to see everything, um, mm-hmm. which may have had an impact, but I really like Sing Street. It almost made it onto my 10. It would have probably been in my top 15. It was in my top 10. It was at number 5. Oh, good memory of your top 10. Mm, thank you. I only know my top 10 up to the number 5, and then after that it gets a bit hazy. Mm. What's your? Here's a question from at the Sam Gillard. Uh, what's your favourite film that you know won't make any top films of 2016 lists? <laughs> the guilty Ooh. pleasure, I guess, of the year. Oh, oh. gosh. Mine is easy. I'm going to say pop star Never Stop, Never Stopping, which um, I don't... I, I'm basically forcing everyone in the office to watch one by one. Um, it's it's just very, very funny. I saw it in a double bill with The Shallows, which probably didn't help in America, but um, it did. It got a cinema release here, but not for very long. Yeah, it's just one of those weird things. I think because it died a death in the States, that for some reason they didn't, you know, the Lonely Island didn't come over here, there were no interviews. It was, it was a strange one. It just kind of faded away, which yeah. is a shame. I love Hot Rod. I love the first movie those guys made together. Uh, I don't think this is quite as good as Hot Rod, which is a, an amazing film for me. But it's very, very funny, and it, it, it's grown on me ever since I've seen it. The soundtrack is is amazing. So, yeah, I'd go with that. That's definitely one of mine as well. Edgar Wright's a fan of that as well. 
and tweeting about it? Um, I'm not saying it was good, but I laughed a lot at Central Intelligence. <laughs> um, and I really liked Pete's Dragon, which kind of took me by surprise because I thought it was going to be dreadful, and actually it was it was really sweet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe those two, I don't know. Jungle Book would be one of mine. I really like Jungle, Jungle Book. Book, and that's not on the list. Okay. Uh, I also was very fond of passengers and apparently I'm the only one in the world so that's uh, <laughs> that's an interesting one I judging by the metric rating it. yes yes <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence likes it too yeah. I think in fairness it's 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 out next week and so not everyone has seen it in the office yes uh, did the Greasy Strangler make our list yes oh yes it made our list yeah. oh, yes. is that purely because of, you know Terry White's number one she, she put it in number one and then she added like a hundred points onto it <laughs> as the editor I think I a, few people, a few people added it to that list. But yes, her having it at number one, I think, obviously made it to the list. Yeah. No, I've got the soundtrack in my head. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Make this stop. Make this stop now. Okay. Um, I just want to give a shout out on behalf of uh, Johnny Pyle, our deputy officer for adult life skills, which he was the only person to vote for. He kept uh, texting me. He was away when we were collating it. He kept saying, has anyone else voted for it? And I kept going, nope, just you. <laughs> so no one else has voted for it, but he was so enthusiastic. I just want to put it out there. Oh, I tell you what else, Keanu. I really liked Keanu, and it hasn't made any okay. best of lists, and that's probably deserved. I don't think it, I don't necessarily think it deserved to be top ten. It was patchy as heck, but um, but when it was on form, it was really good. Uh, I think our twenty-five is a fine list. We'll get to it at the end of the podcast, and then we shall see what didn't make it. At David Robson EFC asks, "What's your favorite quote of the year?" Shit spackled Muppet fart from Deadpool surely takes some beating. That's pretty good. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty yeah. good. Uh, ooh, I don't, I don't remember. Any, I'm terrible for remembering quotes. <laughs> I'm glad I asked this question. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I, am I got none. Um, uh, I've forgotten the name of this film. Daniel Radcliffe, dead. Swiss uh, Army Man. Swiss Army Man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, There's, I can't remember that, but I can remember some lines from it. <laughs> Isn't it, Manny? Your penis is showing the way. <laughs> Uh, Manny, your penis is guiding us home. I think it's the uh, it's a line. Yeah. It's an amazing line. I love that film. And also, if you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. And that's a good line. Um, truth, truth. Yeah, and uh, the whole of the hateful line, I think, is is, is quotable. But yeah, shit's back on Muppet Fart um, is very very hard to beat. Uh, I was surprised <laughs> that Secret Life of Pets included such a line, but. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I like the line from Hunt for the World of People where they uh, he sees um, they go into that cabin and they see the wanted poster and the kid says, um, "Hey, it says here you're Caucasian. You're white. You're totally white." <laughs> well, yeah. well, that's clear. That's just a genius. Line. Oh, and actually, um, I love the uh, when he he sees them hunting for them. He sees the hunters in the woods looking for him, and they, yeah. they find this cabin where they had been, and he's hiding in the bushes, and he goes, ah, "Ninjas." Dire wolves, child welfare, <laughs> all on the same level. Oh, it shit just got real. Basically, anything. Just anything line, in, one, in world of people. Just a bit when he's when he's going, he's going to the toilet, and Sam Neill goes, "Bury it." And he's like, "I'll bury you." <laughs> just every line in that film made me laugh. It's delightful. Yeah. Um, Civil War. Some got to be some Spider Man lines. All of them, even just like Steve's little sort of, "Where are you from, Queens? Uh, I'm from Brooklyn." Like, just you know, oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> It's weird. The, the uh, callback to I could yeah. do this all day. I could do this all day. Uh, I hate you, uh, which is what Sam says to Bucky, I think. Or is it Bucky says to Sam? Oh, yeah, when he moves the chair yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's a question from at elbows underscore selbo. <laughs> Great names. Uh, which films or TV shows do you wish you'd had the time to discuss in a spoiler special this year? It's a good question. Oh, That's a so really many, good question. yeah. 
I would have liked to have done Fantastic Beasts. That would have been cool. I would um, have liked to have yeah. discussed that film's issues. Yeah, questions. <laughs> um, I would have liked to do... Um, was Jessica Jones this year? That last year? Jessica yeah, Jones was well. this year, yes. Yeah. And was Yeah, it? it was this year. It was April. So yeah. and we did not do Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, we couldn't get access yeah, this, at so the, the right time. Supporter specials work. We're very, very strict about this. If we don't get access to the filmmakers, we do not do a spoiler special. It's it's basically that simple. And occasionally, we don't always get the access to the filmmakers, which explains the absence of Jessica Jones and Fantastic Beasts. I think Westworld uh, would have been quite interesting. I Agreed. think we would have been in this room for probably 80 hours, and yes. at least one of us would have turned out to be a robot or mm-hmm. Arnold. Yonderland. Yonderland yeah, I mean, spoiler not, special. I, mean, I love Yonderland. I don't know if it's quite the plot-driven... Uh, I want to get debates that you know. Yeah, I mean, no. it's just funny. It would just be us telling, retelling the jokes, right? Yeah, pretty much. Nagatus is one of the characters of the year. I, I cannot get enough of um, one of the characters. Simon yeah. Simon Farnaby's Nagatus. He's so good. Uh, I would love to personally do a Master Chef of Professionals spoiler special with uh, Marcus Ware and Monica Galletti, and we could get Sean Pertwee back in, who does the voice over for them. He goes every week is like an orange pavé. You're you're losing the audience here, Chris. <sighs> just so you know, it's really good. Yeah, fantastic piece. And we didn't do one for Jason Bourne, and I would have liked to have done one for that. But I think otherwise we pretty much covered all the major blockbusters this year. We uh, we did fairly decent. Hunt for the Wilder People would have been a really fun one to do. <laughs> just in terms of the, the smaller Well, yeah, movies. actually. I mean, because essentially I just, can I say this? I did this for the magazine, which mm-hmm. will be out, will be out by the time people are listening to this. Pretty much. Okay, so for the upcoming issue of the magazine, I talked to Taika Waititi, we did a viewing guide. Mm-hmm. And he was a delight, and it was literally a spoiler special sort of a sort yeah. of a chat. So it was yeah. good. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, smaller films. Yeah, you know, it's pretty much all the films that are on my top ten of the year list. But uh, we kind of did one for the nice guys, and we didn't. We did. We did a live Q and A for the nice guys with Shane Black and Joel Silver, where we talk a little bit about plot stuff. But I would, you know, I would really like to get Shane Black in in particular and just go through that film and just beat by beat that would be that would be a great pleasure I would have liked to have gone under the bonnet of The Night Of which was my TV show of the year okay. which I thought was fantastic with Riz Ahmed uh, and you can't really say anything about that without getting into the plot so <laughs> uh, really really good show if you haven't seen it get Fun. it now good calls all good calls all uh, Ben S. Travis at Ben S. Travis uh, if you could pull a Kyle Reese steady go back in time and stop one 2016 film from ever happening, <laughs> what would it be? X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt, See, X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. I love the X-Men films so much. But then Wolverine me, would come back in time and stop you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it would go horribly Change wrong. Change the future past. Yeah. Um, I, I love yeah. the way you paused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to really Straight think about in. that one. No hesitation. Yeah, it's just, I love Days of Future Past, really loved it, and then I absolutely loathed Apocalypse, so um, I would rather it had not been a thing. I would go back to the set of Gods of Egypt and just find out what's going on. I'd just, I'd just sit, there, sit them all down. Just you go, think guys, they would guys, know? Okay. Gerard, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure that accent? You're going with that accent. There are so many Gerard Butler Egyptian films God. where you could go back and go, are you sure you want to do that? Are you, are you sure about that accent choice? And he goes, what do you mean? <laughs> Perfect. Does he? Spent six months in Cairo. Bastard. <laughs> That's an extraordinary film. I, I, you know, kind of in, in many ways, it's the worst film I've seen this year. But in other ways, in other it's, ways, it's so gloriously batshit. I mean, the the bit with the chariot actually physically pulling the sun. You're a bit, you know, with that part, it kind of had me on board for a while. I was like, oh, I'm 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 suddenly liking this, and then I, I wasn't again. But um, I mean, you can't say it didn't swing for the fences. It went for it. 
It really did. If only it had maybe had a, I don't know, non-white cast as its principles and maybe, I don't know, made like just 10% more sense, I think we could have been on to. If it had made 10% more sense, how much sense would it have made? (laughs) Still been in the negative. (laughs) 10% of nothing is nothing. Hashtag Egypt so white. I might then, well, given that you've got X-Men covered, James, I, I might then say Batman v Superman call on Dawn of Justice um, and not so much to stop it happening completely as just to say guys guys smile let me talk to you about Superman <laughs> for a minute here yeah. and Martha we need to and Martha. we need to have the Martha chat we need the to have Martha the Martha chat, chat. of all I, I, if we had a poll for the worst plot device of the year it has to be that doesn't yeah, it? it I think it hey, does hey our mums have like the same first name let's be besties ooh the other thing we could change uh-huh. Johnny Depp's casting in Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. Helen O'Hara, you have nailed it. This podcast you, who, is over. Who, who Thank you, you for cast, listening. Though? Spoiler territory. Well, oh, this really We're is. In spoiler territory. Mm, spoiler okay. territory. But let's just say let's... it was a bad move. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, what you, you've said yours already. You've, you, you'd stop Gods uh, of Egypt. I, I, I just find out what's going on. Yeah. I might let it carry on. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I'd like to get back. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's any film that I found so hateful this year that I would stop it from happening. I think Suicide Squad is is terrible. I think X Men Apocalypse is a, is a was a really really huge disappointment. I think Inferno is unwatchable. Yeah, Inferno. Inferno. <laughs> Inferno. Yeah, no, David being Inferno. Uh, that film was just so bad, and not even so bad. It was good. It was just genuinely bad, and it felt like a director who didn't understand the material and who f- he, he was doing all these cool new fashion filmmaker tricks because he'd seen someone doing it and didn't quite understand how to make it work. Do you think actually he wasn't available and they kept his credit but it was Olivier Megaton who did it? <laughs> it would make sense. <laughs> it had it, taken three by one. It would make sense. At StuntGoat75 asks, what was the biggest surprise of the year? I think uh, mm. being asked a question by someone called Stunt Goat Seventy Five. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I, I felt like I was I was pleasantly surprised on a regular basis this year by some films. I actually was not excited at all about the Jungle Book. I was actually very down on it. I was also very down on um, Zootopia, both of which I'd seen maybe ten fifteen minutes before release, and I was just not moved at all. I'm actually not that into talking animal films. And both of them utterly charmed me. Um, I was surprised in a different way by X-Men Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and many other summer blockbusters, let's be honest. It was a bad summer, It was a bad summer. Like, it was bad. Like, I'm looking at some of these going, was that out this year? Because it made no impression on me whatsoever. Yeah. It, it, it felt, there was a certain point in the summer where it felt like Hollywood was basically going... Here is a terrible film. This is the worst film of the summer. And then another studio would go, no, no, no. It was like the scene in Jaws. It was like, I got that beat. I got that beat. Yeah. Yeah. You, think, you, think that, uh, you think you got something worse than Now You See Me Too? Here's a legend of Tarzan. No, no, no. You think you got that? No, no, no. Boom. Here's Independence Day Resurgence. And it just built and built and built. Have a slice of London has fallen. <laughs> now, now, now we're talking. Let's go back and, and stop that as well. If you give, you know that that what's that line? Fuck off back to fuck Hedistan, you. Or no, it's or wherever you came from. It's yeah, like, that's the one line I would go, Jerry. That's not. It's that. a bit racist. And there's a, my like, favorite bit in that film is is near as they near the third act climax. Aaron Eckhart and Jared Butler have a glass of tap water 
and they have a pint each of tap water and Gerard Butler says the line I'm thirsty as fuck and it's like why is that scene there? Yeah, this is a really important scene that we should have in more action blockbusters they where hydrate. the hero actually hydrates you have to pause and hydrate man yeah. it's an amazing scene you know? one other thing about that film sorry I, I'm obsessed with this film slightly because I saw it and I had to live tweet the whole thing but every character gets their own little introduction with a yeah. little subtitle in their job title That's true. and these are characters you never see again so there's a briefing yeah. scene and they go around the table everyone gets introduced you never see any of them again it's, it's like they do it like 30 times it's such a clumsy so unnecessary and one, and one guy is called Colin Salmon's character's name is uh, Kevin Hazard <laughs> Kevin Hazard and he's uh, like a cop in charge of stopping oh, hazards isn't God, he I, I, there's, there's a moment in that film where um, the president Benjamin Asher why the hell do I know that character name but there you go uh, he has to hide from the, the, the terrorists in a cupboard and then he emerges from the cupboard and Jerry Butler's yes. Mike Fanning goes, I knew you'd come out of that closet, wouldn't he? <laughs> I, 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 did you not want to say at that point, dude, you were there when his wife died. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, You're I, partially I, responsible, if anything. I found out that line over a year ago because I, I was on the set of a film called Geostorm, which is amazing. We're definitely going to be talking about that. <laughs> Comes out next Christmas. Oh my God, I'm a, that film is going to be amazing. <laughs> Trust me. Um, but I interviewed Gerard Butler on the set and, and I, I asked him about London Has Fallen and he goes, yeah, no, it's great. My mate, One of my mates just texted me lines and I put them in the film. And that was, that's where uh, let's play a game of uh, fuck off came from. That was from his mate. Genuinely. No, that was great. The line yeah. Shakespeare the wished he had written. Yeah. And uh, the, yeah, the, the closet line was uh, from the same guy. So it's an unofficial script doctor. It's extraordinary. Extraordinary. Terrible film. It, it, Terrible it was, film. yeah, it was amazing. Kevin, that, that, Line, no, 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 stop it. Was surprise. that the biggest surprise of the year? Surprise is uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, it was a nice surprise for me because I'm not a huge fan of the original Cloverfield, not as much as probably you guys are. Um, but I, I loved, hadn't seen I the first Cloverfield. nine Cloverfield Lane movies. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Boom, nailed it. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a great film. With a great score. Yeah. Mm. Just to be obvious, like, uh, Wilder People, I didn't know what to expect going in. I, I had carefully avoided reading anything about it and uh, obviously it blew me away and The Greasy Strangler uh, yeah. which we should mention because it's it's yeah. our beloved leader Terry's favourite film nobody saw that coming yeah. really not and, and didn't want to see it coming and then wished we could get it out of our heads <laughs> afterwards I think but I mean there's no denying it is a profoundly original different yeah. film there, there are you know people say that they don't make them like they used to and people say that Hollywood's run out of originality and they you know I think this year had at least four or five movies that contained images, scenes, and sometimes the whole movie that I had never seen before. Yeah. A Greasy Strangler is one of those. I really liked it. Uh, Swiss Army Man is another one. It's like mm. nothing I've ever seen. The last 15 minutes of Sausage Party, which is a, <laughs> a no-holds-barred I don't think it was. I don't think it was. It felt like 15 minutes. It was probably more like 45 seconds. <laughs> well, I don't know. 45, it, oh. Yeah. Maybe I think, I think you're saying a lot cut. about your love life there. But, but, uh, <laughs> um, there are things I saw on the big screen this year that I did not think I would see. Yeah, very so much. That's yeah, the, that is true. That's the big surprise for me. Okay, next question from Dr. Huxton. What films released this year will, for better or worse, still be talked about a decade from now? Ooh, good question. Ooh, good question. I good think, question. you know, again, I think a lot of these smaller films that we've been wanging on about endlessly are going to stand the test of time because as people discover them, you're going to fall in love with them the way we already 
have done. So things like The Witch, things like Love and Friendship, things like Sing Street, um, things like Wilder People, if you haven't had a chance to see that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you do, you, you are going to love these films. These are great films. Uh, Train to Busan, I think, is one that's going to be talked about. I just saw, was it mm-hmm. Edgar was tweeting about this with someone, Edgar Wright was tweeting about this with someone else yesterday. Okay. Who just watched it and uh, another filmmaker, um, and so filmmakers are finding this zombie moving movie and falling in love yeah. with it. This the South it's Korean fantastic. zombies on a train, which is amazing, amazing yeah. film. I, I wish I had seen The Wailing. Mm. I had I, I saw a lot of really I thought really solid horror movies this year. Um, not necessarily that people will be talking about in ten years time. But I think people will be talking about The Witch in ten years. time. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think people will be talking about The Hateful Eight in ten years time. Uh, but I didn't see The Wailing, which is a two and a half hour South Korean horror slash police procedural, which sounds right up my street, but I haven't yet seen it. Um, so apologies for that. But that sounds great. And The Train to Busan is fantastic. Yeah. Under fantastic. the Shadow, give a shout out for. Yes. Yeah. It's that rarest of things, an Iranian haunted house film just set in wartime Iran. And yeah. it's terrific. Son of Saul. Yep. Yeah. I mean, not, not, not an easy watch, but just a, a movie that just rips you apart. Absolutely. Fantastic. Green Room, I think um, people are going to be talking about. Yeah. It's sort of weirdly prescient, given that the Nazis are back. Um, but that's that's an incredible, hard-boiled... I think that's pretty much perfect, that film. I love it. Mm. Mm. I think Spotlight might last, weirdly. Um, the sort of last year's Oscar crop. Yeah, people um, were going... This is films that came out in this country. In, in this country in yeah. last uh, last January, but yeah. sort of out of the Oscar-y ones, I think that, I think Arrival, I think those are mm-hmm. the films that are going to last particularly well. Not sure about The Revenant. I think it's the mo- one of the most gorgeous looking films I've ever seen, but I don't know how much it's going to endure in that way. I am not a fan of The Revenant yeah. or The Emperor's New Clothes. <laughs> it's a bear skin. It, it is pretty though. It is a, it is a lovely, lovely bear skin. Well done, Leo. I think it's a great. I, as the writer of the five star <laughs> review, I kind of have to say that. But I, I haven't revisited it. But I thought it was terrific. I am going to rewatch it again soon. But mm. just the fact Happy that Happy Christmas. Well, <laughs> Phil put on the bitter tears of Petra Van Kant on Christmas Eve one day in our, our house. So step up from that. Um, but you know, any any film where they go out and they really properly make a film, yeah. you've got to give them some credit for that. Yeah, you do, absolutely. And it, uh, it is astonishing looking. It's, it's an amazing piece of cinema. Here's a question from at Goxa Georgina, who says, uh, who had to endure the most ridiculous practical outfit this year? I'm torn between Paula Patton and Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. I mean, I, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. That costume and that makeup job is like taking the Mona Lisa and just like spray painting it. Like you just don't do that. <laughs> Improving it's, it. No, 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 no. no. Not you're not that. You're not Jack Nicholson's Joker. Okay, this is not an improvement. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was. It's uh, horrific. Absolutely awful. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. No, it's not good. Which is a shame because Apocalypse's image in the comics is really strong, and they just went down shit wishmaster list with. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, Paula Patton it's, though. I, it's really just the teeth that, that. I mean, the actual <laughs> the hybrid orc thing she has going on. I think is fine, but it's the fact the teeth, the fact that they wobble when she talks is slightly problematic. <laughs> but um, but that, I think that was the only part of that costume that I thought mm. was. Surely it's um, fairly obvious. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe had to endure. He had to pretend to be dead for much of the movie. <laughs> uh, some of the movie he has to pretend to have. What we call in the business, Helen, cover your ears, <gasps> an erection, <gasps> which involved literally them shoving a broom handle up his trousers. <laughs> I'm not kidding, and poking it around the regions. 
<laughs> the nethers. Uh, so that's fairly, fairly well, ridiculous. I mean, if we're getting into prosthetic penises, then obviously Greasy Strangler comes back into play, which has two Precisely. of the, the most grotesque prosthetic penises that yeah. have ever been designed, I think. Absolutely. I hope. I really hope. I hope, yeah. I, I hope that's the worst that's out there. If, if and one, have, of them, one of them was kind of based on Mickey Mouse, which is upsetting. Yes, it was. Well, uh, uh, yeah, a mouse. Anyway. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it's in the magazine, James, you remember. I clearly blotted this out of my memory. What a prosthetic... The, 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 yeah, the, the two leads of Greasy Strangler have prosthetic penises. Uh -huh. and, uh, One's massive. One is huge and one is tiny. And the director in our latest issue... I think the Fantastic Beast one describes the design process for these penises. One of them is based on a mouse, mouse's head. So the way a kid would draw a mouse's head with two big round ears uh -huh. and then a big long nose in the middle. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michael St. Michaels, who plays Big Ronnie, the greasy strangler himself, is often covered in grease in that movie. Oh, it's so gross. And I think that's probably... That's probably the most ridiculous practical costume. Also, should we give a shout-out to Ryan Reynolds for mm. wearing the Deadpool costume constantly? Yeah, I mean, um, even after the f filming was complete. Yeah. Uh, yes. Full props to him. Full props indeed. Here's a cracking question from Connor Keneally. Ask, which character from a 2016 movie would you want to share Nando's with? Uh, it has to be Sir James Martin, uh, played by the great Tom Bennett in Love and Friendship, because he loves peas. He would imagine, <laughs> imagine the amazement when he sees macho peas. Oh, just he can't get his head mind. around the regular kind. That would blow his mind. That would be amazing. I love that character. I would definitely go to Nando's with him. Yeah, he was amazing. He'd be most entertaining. I mean, it, it, it would be overly obvious to say Cap. So obviously, I won't. That would be, that would be terrible. Otherwise, uh, maybe Liev Schreiber's Marty Baron in Spotlight, who didn't really say anything, so I could do all the talking at, at lunch. Or about great. Nick Wilde, or would there be too much sexual tension? Nick Wilde from Zootropolis. Zootropolis, the, Zootropolis, the, the fox. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say no on that, because he's, he's an animal, and that would be weird, and people okay. would give me funny looks. Wouldn't you just want to have uh, Nando's with Jason Bateman in general? He's just such a great, straight-down-the-middle guy. You know he'd pick up the tab. It'd be it'd be really cool. Yeah. I've got a better answer. Old Narenreich from Hail Caesar. <laughs> he could do little. He could do little tricks. He could with his lasso. It would take him like an hour simple. to make his order I'd... at the counter. He'd just be. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go Medium for Nando's. Wouldn't the tour so simple? <laughs> I'd Medium go for Nando's with a hectopod, because I think the butterfly chicken is probably hectopod for something profound. Interesting theory. <laughs> so this is a rival. Yes, and the hectopod. I think the butterfly chicken looks like hectopod. As in, not a hectopod, but the hectopod language. Isn't Talking of Hector, isn't oh. it? I'd take isn't Heck from uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, really? yeah. Just because yes. he would find the entire process irritating, <laughs> profoundly irritating. He would just sit there looking grumpy and it would be brilliant. I'd, I'd, I'd have uh, a cheeky Nando's with the Joker from Suicide Squad because that guy, <laughs> he's so wild and crazy. Uh -huh. You just don't know what he'd do. He'd do you know probably, what, flavor, do you know what, do what sp level of spice he'd have? He'd probably have extra, extra yes. hot. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> wow. And then he'd just throw it on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tedious. <laughs> Great performance. Can't wait to see him again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just not anyone from the Greasy Strangler. <laughs> no, God. Oh, God, no, I feel a bit sick. He'd probably look at the uh, at the lovely butterfly chicken breast and go, this isn't right. There's always be more grease. <laughs> Actually, the bananas we go to. <laughs> I think he'd be okay. But the, the, the answer that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, good. 
Here's a question from at Think Scientific. After hashtag Oscars so white, how do you feel 2016 went in terms of diversity for directors and actors? I think things are very slowly improving. I think it's great that we've heard so much about the likes of Ryan Coogler this year for for his work on Creed that we've been hearing about Eva DuVernay. She only had the 13th out on Netflix this year, but and yet it's it's people are beginning to talk about it. People are beginning to see that it's an issue at least, um, and I think certain films for certain filmmakers certain companies are making definitely making big big steps to kind of improve things Suicide Squad for all its many flaws was at least racially diverse Mm -hmm. as was Civil War to an extent but Rogue One I thought was casually enormously diverse and I thought that was great well Rogue One is you know if you look at the the main six members of the squadron in Rogue One there's not a white man among them. No, unless you count Alan Tudyk. So um, precisely, but yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it, you know there are definite improvements being made. There are definite efforts being made. Now, something like Star Trek Beyond, obviously, we're be- It's funny how far we haven't come and how far we have. So you saw obviously Sulu's character has a husband mm. in that, which which was meant as a tribute, I think, to George Takai, who was not entirely flattered by the tribute, but I still think it's a, it's a good-hearted notion, and I think it was, again, a step in the right direction, and a step towards Gene Roddenberry's vision, which was very inclusive and very egalitarian. So that was nice to see this year. Are we, are, have we gone far enough? Absolutely 100% not. Um, if you look at our website in any given week, you'll see news stories about white men who have never made a film before getting handed the reins to something costing $100 million and you will not see those stories generally speaking about women no matter what their experience um, so there is still a huge huge way to go but I, I, I do take some hope for the, from this year actually yeah well uh, not gods of Egypt um, no <laughs> but um, I, I loved you know I'll come mention Moana again yeah. I love Moana, but it was just so refreshing after all the you know the the stuff that's been going on in the world to have that film come out at the mm-hmm. end of the year and and just be you know so diverse. Yeah, it was yeah. led entirely by an oceanic cast. Yeah, um, I think Alan Tudyk again it was the exception there because he's become Disney Animation's good luck charm. Um, also, obviously, he's a chicken. He's also um, a villager, I believe. He gets like uh-huh. a little bit, a little bit of play there. But but yeah, I mean, otherwise, all all the kind of Pacific cast which was great and uh, and lots of mixed yeah. talent behind the scenes as well. And a female lead uh, same as yeah. uh, Zootropia I guess <laughs> um, you know and obviously Ghostbusters is the big kind of elephant in the room when it comes to that but you know it's great to see Rogue One with a female lead and uh, Yeah another couple of female characters wouldn't have gone amiss but I agree Should we talk about Ghostbusters a bit more? Uh, that that feels to me like it is one of the hugest stories of of the year. In our review of the year, it is the story of the year. Nick, am it I right? The story Think of, of that, the year. Yeah. Yes. The the uh, horrible, egregious treatment meted out by online. Can I say, arseholes on the podcast? Yeah, I can. To Leslie Jones in particular. Yeah. Um, it seems weirdly in keeping with the themes of this year generally, though, doesn't it? Politically speaking. Like, yeah, now, yeah. Now looking back on it, it doesn't seem in any way weird or out of place because it's been everywhere you know that was just almost the tip of a very unpleasant iceberg yeah I th- and the bad guys won yeah. and they, they took that film down and I, I, I you know they, they will certainly see it that way but the, the box office yeah of that film was, was I think would reflect that I think that certainly they put a lot of people off seeing it I think I think they did make mistakes listen I think it's, it is similar to um, the US election in that mistakes were absolutely made on the part of the film or in, in that case on the part of the candidate but also there was a, a move of hatred against it that was that was kind of unprecedented. Yeah. 
disproportionately. Yes, and and there is this. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I would go so far as to say that you know certain corners of the internet are wretched hives of scum and villainy, and they are radicalizing people in a in a very harmful direction for those people as well as for the rest of the world. Mm. Um, it's not about just the failure of a film like Ghostbusters, which maybe wouldn't have done that well anyway, but it is about, you know, it's it's really coarsening the dialogue and, and the environment to for people to be creative in, I mm. think. And they're, they're attempting to take down Rogue One for along similar lines. And yeah, but that has the Star Wars name behind it, so hopefully it they won't succeed. I don't think they will. Um, it's going to be very interesting, actually, just uh, all that in terms of success just talking about the box office of the year uh, we obviously haven't seen the numbers come in for Rogue One but I mean, we recorded this on December what day is it 16th December 16th so Rogue One's been out for a day uh, we don't know we expect it'll be the biggest film of the year but mm-hmm. you, you don't know you never know but it hasn't I would say it hasn't been a really vintage year at the box office it's been very interesting you know you could you could argue that Batman Superman underperformed you could you know there's Successes in the likes of Deadpool and Suicide Squad yeah. and Fantastic Beasts to an extent and Doctor Strange to an extent. But it's been an awful lot of films that haven't done that well. Yeah, it's been a I very th- interesting year, I think. It's been, a, it's been a weird year that way. I mean, only so far anyway, only three films over a billion dollars worldwide. And what are they? Last year had five. That's Captain America, Civil War, Finding Dory and Zootopia. You may notice a studio in common there. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, incidentally, is The Jungle, Jungle Book. Book. Which is very, very close, but I don't think it's going to quite make it. And of course, Rogue One. Nine, six, six. You'd expect to be the fourth. You would expect Rogue One to be the fourth, yeah. And and it's not beyond the realm of possibility that Moana could join them, although I think it's going to top out a little bit lower than that. But yeah, it's, it's, so it's, it has been a little bit more subdued at the box office. And I think at that top end, that's because those big summer blockbusters weren't very good for the most part. And I think that's been the difference there. I think further down the list, the sort of mid-level films have actually done quite well. There have been a lot of kind of success stories at that mid-level, something like Sausage Party, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, lots of successful kind of little comedies like Central Intelligence, Bridget Jones. But uh, but yeah, it's been the blockbuster end has let them down this year. BFG uh, was a big... I mean, I'd, I'd completely forgotten about the BFG till I just kind of popped into my head. But that only made $20 million more worldwide than its budget, which is a big disaster. Yeah. Barely worth its weight in snozcumbers. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was quite a nice film. I thought it was lovely. A bit yeah. forgettable, but it was fine. Yeah. Perfectly, perfectly nice. $178 million worldwide, which is, wow, mm. that's not great at all. That's, that's less than London has fallen. Clearly Jerry's onto something there. Uh, but it's, it is interesting, I, I find. Do you feel that it's a rejection? Because I'm looking at this, looking at the films that have crashed and burned. We talked about them a little bit already, but Alice in the Looking Glass, Inferno... Independence the Day. The Winter's War, Independence Day, Resurgence. Um, our audience is finally rejecting movies on grounds of quality. Not obviously across the board because then Suicide Squad wouldn't have made as much money as it had, but is it finally beginning to turn? Or our audience is just saying, we don't want these movies. We don't want to see a third Dan Brown movie. We don't want to see another Independence Day movie. Or do you think it's, it's, a, it's a rejection of quality? I, I think there's got to be a quality thing in there because, you know... Independence Day is not the only late sequel that we've seen, and other ones have worked. I genuinely thought it was going to be the the Jurassic World of this year. Exactly, I really did. I thought it was going to hit a nostalgic sweet spot, and it just didn't. The fact that the movie is absolutely terrible certainly doesn't help. Uh, But yeah, I I never thought it was going to be the new Jurassic World. I mean, it's there's there's, it just felt like a film that'd been kind of forgotten a little bit. To be honest, people still watch the original Independence Day. Doesn't 
feel like. Oh, I do. So do I. (laughs) Really? Yeah. It was. We will not go quietly into the night. It We're going to fight on. Phenomenon. We're going to live. We're going I, to survive. It was, but it was very much a film of its moment. I remember seeing it in America and everyone standing up and cheering at the end. Yeah. But the, it does feel like it kind of went away. You know, us, us film geeks maybe uh, enjoy it more, but maybe. Uh, didn't sense a lot, big surge of goodwill for that. I, I think I think it's it's a tough year in, in that sense, in, in terms of the, the sort of the failures, because there were attempts to do something different and to try something different. So Warcraft, I would argue, is one of those, and and the Magnificent Seven is another, and they also didn't do brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the the problem for Hollywood is there is no clear path apart from Disney. That is the only clear path right now mm-hmm. to consistent success. And we should mention uh, Warcraft and indeed Assassin's Creed that these were heralded as the films that would finally be truly great game-to-film adaptations, and neither one is. Warcraft is not good. Assassin's Creed I very much enjoyed, but it's definitely not what I... I mean, I would argue it's quite possibly the best game-to-film adaptation, but that's not saying a great deal. So, you know, it's still not a great film. Tetris is less than two years away. Well, do you know what I mean? It seems that we're at a point that they're almost never going to do it. Even even now they're preparing to shoot the first of the Tetris trilogy. (laughs) Oh, good lord! The, the Tetrilogy. Tetrilogy. The Tetrilogy. It's, it's that's amazing. Nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. I, I, this, Absolutely, this it should be four films because it's Tetris. <laughs> this isn't what I ordered. <laughs> okay, let's move on to some more questions. Eris loves movies. Asks. Why is 2016? <laughs> yeah. We must have done something really bad somewhere. Is this person a hectopod from yeah. Arrival? No, we got to the end of we 2015 and we that. tripped and fell in it. Taryn Strong asks, what are the best feel-good moments of this year's films? We need them. Merry generic holiday season to you all. Best feel-good moments of the year. The moments that got you sitting up in oh. your side. Mine are all from Westworld. I don't know where to start. <laughs> no, none of mine are from Westworld. Um... Mine are all from Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm. Yes. Um, and, oh, no, no, that's not true. Some of them are from Civil War as well. But, yeah, those those just gave me a huge buzz coming out. I don't want to bang the Marvel drum too much, but... We've barely talked about it. We have. I've been very restrained. We've been very restrained. In fairness. Uh, but the whole of Civil War and the whole of Doctor Strange. <laughs> those are my feel-good moments of the year. Good night. Thank you. Uh, no, at the airport fight. The airport fight is just... Oh, yeah. That was oh, your yes. feel-good yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. That's my feel-good oh, moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, apart, from bit, apart from the bit, apart from the bit where, where Rhodey gets paralysed. <laughs> <laughs> you monster. <laughs> These are people fighting each other. To the no, ball. but like it's just like so kind of squeezome. Like you've seen this on it comic book splash pages and yeah. then you're just like... Mm, it's uh, yeah. happening. Can I derail... Heart-warm, heartwarming stuff. Can I derail this and, and is that your scene of the year it's, it's not my scene of the year my scene of the year is from Civil War and uh, I was very influential in, in it becoming our scene of the year in the magazine it's the uh, the meeting between Peter Parker and Tony Stark in Peter's bedroom uh, in Civil War it's, it's it is as perfect uh, I think a depiction of, of how that meeting could possibly have gone mm. between mm. Tony Stark and his full Robert Downey Jr. this and uh, this young kid played by the famed historian Tom Holland. <laughs> amazing, yes, amazing, right, Tom Holland. amazingly versatile. What a what an actor that guy is. He, it's just as perfect for me. We should like. I really hope that somebody who listens to this podcast has gone out and watched Fright Night and read, say, Rubicon. Or, or Persian Fire, I don't mind which, uh, to be introduced to the other Tom Hollands as a result of our incessant joke yeah. about did you, the Tom Hollands. Did you see on Twitter the other day the Fright Night director uh, photoshopped yes. his face onto <laughs> Spider-Man's yes. body? And it was 
just wonderful. Um, he has the he has the Twitter handle, by the way, Tom Holland, director of Fright Night. Uh, he has the, uh, the Twitter handle, Real Tom Holland, which really must piss off the other ones. So the historian is Holland <laughs> underscore Tom, and the Spider Man Tom Holland is Tom Holland nineteen ninety six, but Fright Night Tom Holland, who I believe is the oldest. Okay. So fair enough. He's got dibs on it. He's real Tom Holland. Yeah, he is. Mic drop. This is amazing. This is like when you got together uh, Brian Cox and Brian Cox at the Empire Awards. We <laughs> have to get them together next year at the Empire Awards. All the Tom Hollands. And this Tom Hollander. Oh, we this should do true. that. We should. We genuinely, we've got to make this happen. All right. But, but this is absolutely true. In case you didn't know, we did a thing at the Empire Awards. We did a live stream um, of interviews a couple of years at the Empire Awards. And Brian Cox, the actor, and Professor Brian Cox met on that live stream for the first time ever and you know what time cop lied and they shook hands and the world didn't end that's my, that's my understanding when people we were hoping they were going to battle each other to the death <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen I provided them with a sword a but it didn't work um, but, sorry just going back to the question for a oh, second oh it's a question yes or did you want to oh, no, I'm going back to the question as well okay. uh, going back to the question for a second again Hail Caesar I mean like a lot of scenes in that obviously the would the detour so simple scene which is which is a piece of farce that is practically perfect in every way also the the tap dancing by Channing Tatum which was a delight um, no dames and and also the theological debate which I'm sure James would have liked as well um, but just to see a bunch of it's essentially the Coen brothers doing a priest and a rabbi walk into a bar joke but of course <laughs> they can make it into a 10 minute comedy sequence about a film magical magical stuff there's so many delightful moments in that my feel good moment of the year was uh, Star Trek Beyond, the sabotage sequence, which I all but jumped out of my seat and punched the air during it. I loved it. I always feel like a contrarian when you guys bring this up because I think it's just recycled from the first film. Oh, it's like, it's not that good a scene. Oh, anyway, oh, I'm, glad I'm glad it makes you happy. It does. It makes me so, so, so happy. I can't even tell you. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a great moment. It's a great moment. I loved it when um, Jason Bourne found that file in Jason Bourne. <laughs> oh, when it was downloading. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, that download was one of the all time best downloads. <laughs> that was really Rooting for him. When it got to 76%, yeah. that was a standout for me. Um, um, Newt Scamander did that bit in Fantastic Beasts where he hesitated and, and he waved his wand around a little bit and looked slightly confused. That, for me, was just amazing. Well, <coughs> the Niffler. The Niffler was feel good. The Niffler was... The Niffler yeah. was funny. I like the Niffler. A fur good. No, that didn't work. Oh. Um, <laughs> Moana. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, most of mine are from Moana, to Moana. be honest. A, a film that just... Oh, I love that film so much. Honestly, it, it wasn't on my top ten list because I saw it like the week after. It would be near the top of my top ten list. Yeah. Maybe my favourite film of the year, actually. Wow. Uh, there are moments in that. And it caught me by surprise because it wasn't one that I particularly was that excited for. Yeah. I loved it. Seen it twice. Um, but yeah, there, there's a moment in that. Uh, there's probably four or five moments in that that are amazing. But mm. The moment where she first takes off from the island... On, on her journey with the, the the bit with the ghost stingray passing underneath as that's well you'll be like one. oh yeah and then yeah. it's a bit right at the end as well yeah it's a great film mine would be something from Creed there's that lovely moment when uh, Adonis is running through the streets of Philadelphia and he has all the people behind him on bikes revving and he's deciding to really go for the fight and it's just uh, I, I love that film mm. I love is, that is that film. the bit where he goes into the animus and, and <laughs> ends up in Constantinople that bit <laughs> oh, no, you, oh, I see what you're, you're missing, doing. You, this is Creed, not Assassin's Creed Bender. Assassin's Creed Bender. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're getting that wrong. Uh, I haven't mentioned Kubo and the Two Strings, which I want I to because it's my number two of the year. Mm. Um, and uh, and there were some. It's actually I hesitate to call it a feel good film because um, it's terrifying. Uh, no, no, but it's it deals with grief and loss and and 
parent-child relationships and I saw it the morning after my granny died and that may have brought all of that home even more so. But um, but the, the bits at the beginning where, where he's sort of animating the um, the origami with his music are just glorious. I mean, talk about... I think I think a lot of what we love in cinema, if I can speak for the group for a minute, is just seeing cinema do things that reality can't. That's the point. And while we, you know, I, Daniel Blake is an astonishing piece of drama, I think a lot of us want the other stuff too, not just the reality, but the hyper-reality and the unreality and the supernatural, if you will. And the and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that kind of thing, that kind of joyous use of... Uh, Impossible things, I think, is just wonderful to see. The giant skeleton boss in that the film. The giant, mm. oh yes. Who so was good. one of two Harryhausen scenes which reference, in different films, which reference um, mm. Jason the Argonauts, the skeleton mm-hmm. fight. The other one was, of course, from uh, Miss Peregrine's... Home for Peculiar Children. Yeah. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it has also, uh, that film has a really kick-ass director cameo as well. Tim Burton as surprised-looking man on a fairground ride. <laughs> Which is, uh, which is, which is. Cool. I mean, Taika Waititi still wins director cameo of the year, surely, for the speech about oh, doors yeah. and windows. I, I don't know. Another uh, door. <laughs> Jesus Joe, is tricky. Oh, <laughs> Joe Russo, <laughs> in, Joe Civil Russo in Civil War. Yeah, as, as corpse. As corpse. Yeah, uh, it's quite a few of them. Good. Paul Feig is not in Ghostbusters, but he does a voice cameo, I believe. Does Katie he? Dippold is does a cameo. Ah. Um, she's a she's the um, she's the writer of the film, but she's like the real estate person who shows them around the firehouse. Doug Young, the co-writer of Star Trek Beyond, cameos in Star Trek Beyond as Sulu's husband. So there you go. Mm. It's all That's pretty connect- cool. All connected. It's all connected. What was your favourite Stan Lee cameo, James? I know you love him. <laughs> I know you love him. It's a good cameo in X-Men Apocalypse. You have to give it that. You have to give it that. When it's, it's him and his wife, his real-life wife, Mrs. Stan Lee. Quickly, 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 Google it. Stanley um, Ella. <laughs> Stanley Ella. <laughs> Remind Stan- me, what, what's, what's the, what's the dress of Apocalypse? It's that in? bit where Apocalypse, uh, for reasons, not for reasons unknown, for reasons unknown, it launches all the nuclear missiles. Yes. Um, and and Stanley. And Stan- <laughs> Stanley. He's, he's in the same boat as I am. And Stanley and his wife, yeah. Stanley are looking up, and, they, you know, and it's, it's not a Stanley cameo that is played for laughs. And that's what I like about it. I like, didn't I read that um, that they have already filmed him doing his next like eighteen? Cameos? They did. They did four in a day. Um, so yeah. they did mm. uh, Strange, Thor, Guardians two, and Spider Man Homecoming. Spider Man Homecoming probably yeah, okay. all in you one know, day. So I imagine they just take him in a room and he's just got loads of outfits <laughs> and it's like, right, you're a bartender. Let's do that. All right. No, oh, you're an airline pilot. bartender. I love being a bartender. <laughs> oh, Deadpool, where he Deadpool. was the DJ in the strip club. That was, that that was, was random. Stop. I've said, true believers. Party bangers. Party bangers. <laughs> What's happening? What was that? He's you know, only been good in one Stanley film. is the Greasy Strangler. He was good in Mole Rats, <laughs> and that's the extent of him. He was good in Amazing Spider-Man, where he was the librarian. <laughs> he's good in Avengers Age of Ultron, where he says, Excelsior. He's good in, in Winter Soldier, where he's the guard in the museum. It's like yeah. you're trying to upset me. He's good in Civil War, where he's... What is he in Civil War? I don't know what he's in. What was he in Civil War? Civil War, he was the guy... Okay. Oh, no, he was the, uh, he was the UPS delivery man at the he end. Up- Are you Tony Stank? Good. Yeah. That, that yeah. wasn't good, actually, yeah. I'll be honest. That was my... Like, I'm looking for Tony Stank. You must have a Tony Stank t-shirt. 
I don't have a Tony Stank t-shirt. You look like a man who would have a Tony Stank t-shirt. <laughs> I'm not wrong. I, I usually would, but uh, they didn't send me one. So <laughs> I'm not going to pay my own money for that. Right. Let's move uh, and I'd like to apologise personally to Joan Lee. Joan, thank we you. We all knew that. I believe his real name is Stan. <laughs> Get it right, Helen. Get it right. So, yeah, best feel-good moments of this year's films. Nailed it. Uh, next question. This is from At The Real Dodge, who says, Do you think awesome TV shows slash series slash seasons have had a negative impact on films or are they a good place to find new talent? And should we spin off from that and answer the question I really want to be answered, which is, <laughs> what's your favourite TV show of the year? I've already said mine. Mine was The Night Of. Yeah, but I didn't ask you that back then, so say it again. It, it's The Night Of. That's a surprise. Wow. Yes. God, yes. I, I did not that see that coming. <laughs> Hells bells? Uh, I think... TV probably is affecting movies. I think if you can stay at home and watch something awesome for relatively little money, it sometimes beats going out and competing with certainly bad cinemas where they don't, you know, keep people quiet and make it a comfortable experience. That all said, uh, I still think, I think TV is great, but I still prefer film. And uh, my TV hits the year. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. <laughs> I like the first half of Luke Cage more than the second half. I liked lots of, but not all of, the Gilmore Girls' return. Mm -hmm. What was this year? I can't even know. Stranger Things, I was strangely unmoved by, which Best I know... The season of Game of Thrones was this year. Game of Thrones was Game of Thrones good. was back on form yeah, it was. the last year, which was not on form. That is true. I really liked Black Mirror. I thought the um, the sort of... It was weird, not quite an adaptation of Black Mirror, but obviously it went to America, so it had more American actors in it and, and whatnot. Uh, really, really strong, I thought, mm -hmm. including what I think is the best horror film of the year, which is the video game episode of Black Mirror, which is, uh, is by the, by the director of Ten Cloverfield Lane. Is that the one with Wyatt, Wyatt Russell? Yes, yeah, Kurt Russell's son, mm -hmm. and it's damn good. Third series of The Fall was very good. This year's series of Line of Duty was very, very good in, as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You're the Worst, which is a sitcom that I happen to think is very good, uh, actually didn't have its best series or season this year. So you want to watch My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? or Crazy Ex -Girlfriend? I hear good things, but no, I've not watched it. I've watched some of it, I haven't finished. I've seen bits of it, it looks really, really great. I, I should check that out at some point. You I surely are going to say Yonderland. I'm going to say Yonderland. No, I'm going to say Fleabag. Oh. Fleabag, oh, yeah. uh, there are um, two things. The two best things I've seen all year are not in film. Uh, one is Groundhog Day the musical, which is just extraordinary. Helen might say, are you going to say it? Hamilton! Fuck it And also Groundhog Day the musical, which was extraordinary. Groundhog Day the musical, my God, the best thing I've seen in any medium this year. And I saw Sadio Mane's fourth goal for Liverpool at Arsenal uh, back in August. That's not a catchy title for a play. It's not, is it? But it's just amazing. And it's coming to Broadway next year, I think. So if you have a chance to go see Groundhog Day the musical. But Fleabag... Fleabag's an astonishing uh, BBC3 sitcom. Uh, it's on the iPlayer right now, all six episodes, is uh, written and starring an amazing actress called Phoebe Waterbridge. And it, I'm not going to say too much about it, but it's funny. It's amazing. Yeah. It's moving. It's surprising. It's great. Fleabag. Mm. I also watched Happy Valley this time for the first time, which <laughs> was that? this year, which, which was great. And, oh, Planet Earth 2. Mm. See, all I've seen from that is the bit where the snakes oh my chase goodness. the little baby iguana yeah. thing. Oh, there's so much more than that, Chris. There's a bear that kind of humps a tree and uh, some eagles. Is there a bit uh, where Tony Stark meets Peter Parker? Because I like things like that. Metaphorically speaking, yes. Okay, then I'm in. If by Tony Stark you mean a gopher, <laughs> and if by Peter Parker you mean a bigger gopher, yes. <laughs> yes! Uh, my, I just remembered my favourite TV show of the year, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Oh, God, American yeah. American crime story. I don't know how that, that 
didn't occur to me straight away, but oh my goodness, that's great. Mm. And I haven't seen there's an eight-hour documentary about OJ as well, which I, I'm kind of waiting a little bit to watch because I feel a bit OJ'd out, but amazing. Sarah Paulson is incredible in that. And her hair. Was the Jinx this year or was that last year? Jinx was last year. Well, damn it. I'm not sure I mentioned it last year, so if you haven't seen The Jinx, go see The Jinx. Uh, worst TV, I'm going to just put forward Walking Dead, even though I don't watch it anymore, just because I'm so <laughs> angry about you, it. You make a very, very valid point. When, the, when obviously, that episode came with the bat and the Negan, um, I think it put a lot of people off it, and I think part of that was down to the fact that this year was so horrendously depressing from top to bottom. The Walking Dead went from, oh, look, this is a weird dystopia, to, oh, this is what 2017 looks like. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just hit too close to home, <laughs> frankly. And it was just overwhelmingly violent. That episode of Walking Dead is one of the most horrific things I've ever seen on television. And I think, yes, they, they, their ratings have suffered accordingly. Well, I think Negan was a terrible villain in the comics, and we saw this coming. But then. I do love Jeffrey Dean Morgan, generally. And while he is a terrible character, I think he breathes life into him which the comics never did but yeah I got to meet him at Comic Con he didn't bash my brains in which was nice of him (laughs) I don't think he kills everyone he meets no just just the people he doesn't like yeah (laughs) Um, alright got a couple of last questions then we're going to go through our top 25 of the year so Shane Sweeney 13 asks best facial hair of the year now I thought I had an answer for this (laughs) and I thought the answer was incontrovertibly General Merrick played by Ben Daniels in Rogue One Uh, he's the dashing rebel pilot well, then I remembered that The Hateful Eight came out this year. Oh, and that's just, that's just a cornucopia of face fuzz. It's <laughs> extraordinary. A also, face fuzz fest. Menagerie of moustaches. Also, <laughs> also, the warmest film ever made about toxic masculinity, Everybody Wants Some, um, where they all have incredible moustaches. I mean, all of them. Um, Tyler Hochland, maybe, for The for the Edge. But, I mean, it's, it's impossible to choose. The Edge. <laughs> James, you're looking at me with... A blank expression that I can see. Why. I can't think of any, uh, apart from the ones we've mentioned, I can think of no standout face, facial hairs. Facial hairs. <laughs> facial hairs. <laughs> facial hairiness. I, no, there's a lack of it. I mean, yes, I'm, I was with you. The 70s porn stashes all the way through Rogue One were something that I found quite pleasant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> I think well, we're learning a lot today. Yeah. Just brought back lovely memories. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. A warm glow. Benedict uh, Cumberbatch gets quite beardy in Doctor Strange, doesn't he? He does. He? It's, 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 it's kind of grooming. It doesn't look particularly real. It's no. all scraggly. It's a glue on. Like it. Yeah, um, but it's just been a terrific year for the moustache. It's been a banner year for the moustache. Um, Jeff Bridges was rocking an incredible one in Hello High Water. Yeah, but um, just yeah, you're right. H- Hateful Eight. Yeah, it's Kurt Russell and Hateful Eight, really, isn't it? Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's hard right. to, is there is there a good Sam Elliott also, moustache this year? I mean, just just generally. Generally, just I don't know. Grandma was last year. He was on um, Grace and Frankie this year, earlier this year. Oh, he's in that um, Netflix sitcom with Ashton Kutcher, the the ranch. So whatever he plays in that, that's the best. Yeah, yeah. that's the best. That's the best. I hope he has a moustache in that because I didn't watch it. Okay, very very quickly, lightning round, track of the year, go, Helen, James, <laughs> Ricky Baker, <laughs> Ricky Baker. <laughs> uh, it's probably it's Moana. It's something from Moana. It's all of them. <laughs> I did a poll on Twitter yesterday of, of what did. the best track is, and uh, yeah, people were divided. Uh, but uh, you're welcome. One. You're welcome. Yeah, from, okay. Moana. From, from Moana. Moana. Okay, from Moana. Yeah. Sung by uh, Dwayne The Rock. Yeah. And is Rock. that is that your track of the year? No. That's What's not your even track my track the from the film. Um, oh. if it's based if it's I, I love the Westworld soundtrack at the moment. Um I think that is astonishing work. 
I'm getting the sense you like Westworld. No, I did. <laughs> I don't like it so much anymore. Really? It, it, tailed, off it. it tailed off in the second okay. half. I really like the first half. The Nine Inch Nails cover in, in Westworld um, was a this, The whole soundtrack's so clever. Yeah, they, <laughs> they do the old, um, sort of old-timey, honky-tonky cover versions of... <laughs> I'm not explaining this <laughs> That's well. a technical <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, if it's a tune that I can't get out of my head, it's got to be the Alvin and the Chipmunks Ketamine Orgy oh, track no. from uh, Greasy Strangler, <laughs> which is now there again. Thanks, oh, guys. Oh, God. How about uh, Regina Spector's version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps in Kubo? It's great. Mm-hmm. Or um, mm-hmm. that, that bit from Rogue One that was nowhere near as good as Tom Williams. That was really good as well. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Uh, the correct answer, by the way, was SOS by Porter's Head from High Rise. So, okay. Sorry, guys. Didn't, oh, or also, Is She With You? Question mark uh, from Batman v Superman. Dawn oh, that Justice, was pretty cool. Uh, which then became known on subsequent yeah, reissues yeah. as Wonder Woman theme because it is Wonder Woman theme with the electric cello solo. And I would actually argue that that character would not have made the impact that she made. But for that bitchin' Hans Zimmer. That's oh, that's it. Even a superwoman can succeed without a male composer. Isn't that it, Chris? That's right, Helen. Outrageous. Right. Where's my sandwich, woman? For the love of God. Uh, right. Incredible thoughts from... Uh, oh, I, can't, so I have to mention the pop star Never, not, never Stop, Never Stop, that title. Um, <laughs> I that's my most listened to soundtrack and that's probably my most listened to track Incredible Thoughts which is the Lonely Islands reunion with Michael Bolton who they did a Pirates of the oh, Caribbean song with amazing and it's just it's, basically it's, they so get stoned and sing about amazing thoughts that they have and it's got Justin Timberlake singing Dressed as a Fish also can I just say I did a countdown of my favourite tracks of the year on a radio show that I do and I, I included that in there not because it's the best track from the film, it's up there though, but because it's the only one that doesn't have swearing on it that you can play on the radio. <laughs> True story. Um, very, very quickly. And then also, I'm... Sing Street. We didn't even mention the songs from that, but Sing Street. Absolutely. Sorry, Sing ahead. Street, number 26 in our 25 films <laughs> of the year. Very, very quickly, performance of the year. Yeah. Anyone? Performance. performance. Uh, Kevin Hazard. <laughs> Kevin Hazard. <laughs> Colin Salmon is Kevin Hazard. <laughs> or is it Kevin Hazard is Colin Salmon? <laughs> we just don't know. We're the, the two blur. Oh, I'm going to say Tom Bennett in Love and Friendship. I'm just going to say Kate Beckinsale in Love and Friendship. Well, she's yeah. getting a, she's getting a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, uh, awards. Love. I'm not sure any performance has has brought me as much joy except maybe Julian Dennison. Julian so Dennison, Sam Neill in that movie as yeah. well. So good. I, I think that Stallone was robbed of the Best Supporting Actor Oscar um, for Creed. I think he's amazing, amazing in that film. Um, Mark Rylance really... would never rob anyone. How dare you? Mm. Give me your Oscar, Lee Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Amy Adams in Arrival. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely astonishing. Mm. Um, also, Brie Larson in Room. That was an incredible Wait, performance. That was this year. That yeah. was this year. That we haven't even talked year. about it. This that is terrible. That was this year. That was this year. Yearly, weirly, frustly, snuzzly, blazly, blurb. Right. Right. Okay, here we go. 25 films of the year. Bearing in mind, this list is subject to change. So this is the canonical list that went in the magazine. It will be updated to include the films that came out since then uh, around Christmas time on the website, just in case yeah. anyone cares. All right. Number 25, The Greasy Strangler. Brilliant, but but so, so wrong. So wrong. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm very glad I've seen it, and I look forward to never seeing it again. Very, 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 very funny and very, very, very fucked up film. Yeah. Um, 24, Sutropolis slash Zootopia. Yes. All in agreement. Very, very good. Yeah. Love it. All in agreement. Love it, love it, love it. I, I, I quite liked it. I, didn't like it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was the best animation of the year. No, I, even I, in the top no, three. Okay. But it's uh, but it's very clever and uh, the sloth and cleverer oh, than it needs to be and, and oh, really sl- well thought the through. Sloth is the sloth scene. Oh sloth my god, scene. so funny. Number twenty three, room. 
I mean, incredible performances, so moving, and, and a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant child performance from Jacob Tremblay in particular. Mm-hmm. Just, um, yeah, as, as adaptations of that unfilmable book go, I, think, I don't think you could have done any better. Very good stuff indeed. Uh, 22, we talked about it a little bit earlier on, but Son of Saul, uh, fantastic, fantastic film. I have to admit. Harrowing film. It's been next to my Blu-ray player for most of the year. I can't quite bring myself to put it in, yeah. but I will watch it this Christmas. And a great performance indeed by uh, Geza Rorig as well. Uh, number 21, it's Brady Corbet's directorial debut, The Childhood of a Leader. Yeah, well, I'm not sure I can go back and think about this or talk about this now, given everything. Uh, it it's, <laughs> it feels a little bit more prescient than it probably should. Number twenty, ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes, yeah. out of nowhere. Otherwise known as John Goodman goes nuts in a bunker. Number nineteen, <laughs> a film that uh, yes did come out here in January, The Big Short, uh, and I, I think this was on my top ten of the year. A very good film, a very very good film. And again, it's it, what I love about this film is how it treads the fine line between being a comedy for the first hour and then a horror film for the last hour, yeah, and yeah. it is. Uh, it has the scariest last line, last word of the year, which is simply water. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Number 19, Helen's going to love this, Nocturnal Animals. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry, then, you, you guys I liked, can go on. I liked it. Yeah, I liked okay. it. Yeah, that's so fine. That, yeah. I like yeah. Neon Demon as well. <laughs> I've got to admit. I mean, it's very pretty. I can give it that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was good. It was yeah. good. It was all around good. Yeah, all around good. I don't understand. I really don't understand the hate towards that film. And Aaron Taylor-Johnson was very, very good in it. Uh, number 17 on the list Creed fantastic film great performance from Michael B. Jordan who I think should have gotten more love for that than he did at the in awards season generally that film should have gotten more love as well I, see, I liked it a lot I don't think I liked it anywhere near as much as you did but I did think here's it was how much good. I liked it the last 20 minutes of that film takes place at Goodison Park home of Liverpool's hated oh. rivals Everton FC and I didn't mind right number 16 well, I'll say hated rivals. They're more of an insignificant spec. Uh, number 16, Hail Caesar. I adored this. I mean, I think some people thought it's the Coens being rather frivolous and anyone who didn't like the Hudsucker Proxy doesn't like this, but I love the Hudsucker Proxy. I watch it every new year and I adored this as well. It's so funny. It's Same. so frothy and silly and clever. Liked all the movie studio stuff. Didn't really like all the Clooney being kidnapped and boring communism stuff. So, I mean, but that's the, the, the point. The, yeah. the soundstage stuff was great. Was great. 15, Love and Friendship. It's brilliant. If Jane Austen wrote Mean, mean Girls, I mean, <laughs> Kate Beckinsale is just so casually monstrous in this. I think it's wonderful. Yep. 14, Anoma Lisa. Anoma Liza. Anyway, puppet Nicholas Lindhurst. <laughs> Sex scene of the year. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I love this film. Um, it's upsetting and it's weird and it's just brilliantly done. Really, really good. Charlie Kaufman. 13 is the bright and colourful laugh fest. It is The Witch. Oh, it's Great good. Film. Yeah, so creepy. Gets under your skin. Gets you go. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you've been waiting all podcasts for that one. Yeah, basically. Uh, number 12, everybody wants some. Two exclamation marks. I would have liked this more if it had been three exclamation marks, I'll be honest. They hedged their bets. They really did. <laughs> Well, Terry Pratchett always said that uh, multiple exclamation marks was the sign of a disturbed mind, so it does make you worry about Richard Linklater. <laughs> exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Exactly. Exclamation mark. Here's another one with uh, punctuation. I, comma, Daniel Blake, number 11, number 11. Ken Loach's latest knockabout sex comedy. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's another one that's a little bit too, too timely to, to deal with right now. But 80 it's years a great old, film. though. He's 80 years old, yeah. uh, Ken Loach, not Daniel Blake, and he's churning them out. 
I'm churning them out. It makes him sound like Takashi Miike, but he's not. But I literally saw Ken Loach coming out of Forbidden Planet once, and it blew my mind. He what? I'm not even kidding. I've seen him in Marks and Spencer, but that's... Mm. This was not... This Forbidden Planet is now on Chelsea Avenue, but when it was on New Oxford Street back then, so it was quite a few years ago, I saw him coming out of Forbidden Planet. I don't know what he had in his bag. I don't know what he'd bought, but it was just wrong. He must have been buying for someone else. Yeah, maybe. Hello, I'd like to buy one of those. Is this graphicized novels? <laughs> um, which I once saw Bill Turnbull on BBC Breakfast to describe... Graphic novels as graphicized novels to John Favreau. Very fun. Uh, number 10, Green Room. Great film. Loved it. And um, we should take the moment to remember Anton Yelchin as well. Anton Yelchin, yeah. And Alan Rickman and David Bowie and all the people that we lost this year. This year. Yeah. 2016, man. Mm. Number 9, Spotlight. I mean, incredible achievement just making something that should be unwatchable into something incredibly thrilling. The closest it gets to action is photocopying, and yet you can't really look away. And like Green Room, it's amazing. <laughs> it sort of weirdly became more relevant and topical as the year went on. Indeed. And yeah. as we know, the American, big American newspapers are kind of locked in a battle against the president-elect. It's interesting. Yeah. Number eight, Leonardo DiCaprio lying in a puddle for two hours. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> three hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stand by it. Good one. Yeah, I like no, it. No, I, still, I like it a lot. And uh, I think uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, who, was, uh, who triumphed in the strongest cinematography category in the Oscars in maybe ever, mm. uh, did so deservedly for this. Oh, it's, 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 uh, yeah. I'm with Chris. It looks pretty intensely boring. Number seven, Kubo and the Two Strings. Glorious. Glorious. I mean, it feels like a, a myth that's been around for centuries, uh, possibly millennia, and yet it's an inc- a totally original movie. It's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Number six, The Hateful Eight. I think Quentin Tarantino's best film in a long time. Mm, very much so. Yeah, uh, it's fine. Three. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would, I, I, that's, that, that's suggesting he hasn't been making consistently good movies. Yes, it is has. suggesting that, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's our stating it actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, Glorious Bastards is very good. I think Glorious Bastards is superior. I think this is very good. But it's best film since Reservoir Dogs for me. That's insane. Number five, <laughs> Victoria. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't seen Victoria yet and I'm really keen to. It's an incredible technical achievement, but what impresses me is that everyone comes out actually raving about the story, the film, mm. not just the fact that it's one shot. Mm. Yeah. Number four, Captain America Civil War. It's more comic book nonsense, isn't it, really? Um, <laughs> it's so good. It's the best. Number three, Hell or High Water. Very, amazing, very amazing just, film. It's not even a choice. You choose High Water, don't you? Well, yes, I would say. How high are we talking? Yeah. <laughs> I need more info. Uh, number two, Arrival. Robbed. Incredibly good film. It should be more uh, further up the Oscar co- uh, conversation than it is. It's such a, st- a stunningly clever film about just what humanity is and what consciousness is did and you just guys, oh, love it did you guys know that the space suits the, the orange space uh, suits they wear in that film are CG they weren't wearing those what, what? yeah I saw a what, visual, the, the I, hazmat I, suits I follow some visual effects uh, people on uh, Twitter you are so cool before and after I do too visual effects people are cool yeah right. yeah man <laughs> I just wanted to name drop not even name drop <laughs> and they they see and, and in the hazmat before suits. and after yeah they're just wearing like, I mean, regular clothes and they put the stuff on after it's like Plastic? How? I mean, surely a lot cheaper to just get a hazmat suit. You'd think. Just saying. But anyway, well done. Saying. well done, hazmat. Just saying. CG yeah. people. Okay, I liked it. I, d- I didn't love it. It wasn't in my top ten of the year. Oh, um, dreadful person. And number one, the nice guys. No, Chris. 
Chris. Yep. Read yep. the list again. No, it's definitely there. Number Chris. one. Baker. The Nice Guys. It's, you it, and I it, both know that Nice Guys is tied with Sing Street for number 26. Number 26. Those pesky Russians <laughs> always hacking my list. Once rejected, now accepted. Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> it is Hunt for the Wilder People at number one. We didn't choose the Scots life. The Scots uh, life chose yeah. us. There we go. It's yeah. it's just it's just delightful. It if you've delightful. seen it, you're just grinning right now thinking about it. And if you haven't, you you need to. Just or if you have seen it, and you're out. not grinning about it. Then you're I dead don't inside. know what to do. But, but I, you, you probably you didn't know, cry it up just, either. I mean, whatever you know. Yeah. It is up. It is. It's up. Yeah. I mean, it's up. And I laughed, and I loathe fun and comedy. So he know. does. He really does. He does. He's an objectionable human being, <laughs> and possibly one of the worst people I've ever met. Um, but he's a great guy, and he's my friend. <laughs> he says the same about you. Yeah, the first bit, not the last bit. Is he still here? Oh, he is right there. He is. Okay. Um, so there we go. That's a. That's. A, I think that's a good solid list, and I think it's been a good solid year. The in every way other than reality, blockbusters aside. Yes, but we're we're we're. Leaving that sort, of, you know. Oh, by the way, I think 2016 is a teaser trailer for how terrible things are going to get next year. Um, I think we'll be, we'll look back in this year with with a certain fondness, possibly even cinematically. We'll probably look back a year from now and go, Ah, oh, do you remember the Legend of Tarzan? No. Do you remember how good no. that was? Let, let's that. let's end on an up. Okay, what are we excited about seeing next year? I'm excited about Logan, for example. I'm excited about Thor Ragnarok. Um, <laughs> There is what? only one answer to this question, and it is episode eight. I am excited about episode eight, yes. I'm excited about many things next year. I'm excited about uh, usual comic book drivel. Guardians 2, Wonder um, Woman. very, very good. Guardians 2, one of the best trailers of this year. I loved my arse off in that. Yeah, I think Guardians 2 is going to be great. I think Thor Ragnarok is endlessly fascinating because it appears to have 847 different characters in it, <laughs> and I don't know what the hell it's going to be. But then I don't know what any Taika Waititi film is going to be. He is a, a, a singular director and I'm very intrigued. I can exclusively reveal that uh, when I s- characterised Thor Ragnarok as potentially batshit, he laughed and said, yes, that's the word. So Thor Ragnarok. There you Sorry, go. It's going to be batshit. <laughs> Get him dead. Get him dead. Can we talk for an hour about Fast and Furious 8, colon, <gasps> Fate, of the, the Fate of the Furious Fast Five Slash. Fasters. Yeah. It's so exciting. Jason Statham has joined the crew. I mean, as a person who killed. <laughs> I just. As a person who killed. Like, one of them. I mean, best on, friends. on the one hand, He's it looks going. amazing. On the other hand, what is happening? It's true. It's true. What links Jason Statham and Adam Driver? I don't know. What does? They're the only people to have killed Han Solo on screen. <gasps> oh, boo. Oh, a massive spoilers, by the way, for Star Wars <laughs> and Fast Six. But come on, come on, come on. I'm looking forward to Baby Driver. Uh, Baby Driver's going yeah. to be fantastic. Lots of good driving films. I'm right? not really looking forward to it because I've already seen it, but it's next year, so Silence, having just mentioned Adam Driver. Alien Covenant. Uh-huh. And then an alien film that we're told is going to be proper scary, which is exciting. We were talking um, about the last one, in fairness. <laughs> I'm sceptical, but intrigued. Talking of aliens, yep. Valerian and uh, the City of a Thousand Planets. So you're the one who's looking forward to it. I am. 2,000 different species of aliens. Bring it. Count it's them. It's going to be amazing. Um, I got that beat. Oh, yeah. I got that beat. Next year, we're going to need a hero. We're going to need someone optimistic. We're going to need someone to save us. And that someone is John Wick too, called Paddington. <laughs> oh God, Paddington Two is out next year. That's going to be great. That is the one. Yeah. And uh, and John Wick Two is the other hero. Yeah. That we need. <laughs> someone who's, who's not afraid to shoot people in the face. They're both really like marmalade. It's really weird. Both are 
do really good hard stairs. They're almost interchangeable. <laughs> they almost yeah. are. Uh, those two are, are very, very exciting to me. And yes, Baby Driver, I think, is going to be Yeah, fantastic. absolutely. Absolutely fantastic. I, as I said, I think we're going to be sitting here talking about Geostorm a year from now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will be talking about Geostorm. Oh, Don't ask me. Go online, read the synopsis for Geostorm. Get excited. We'll this, film about- is, this film somehow has happened. <laughs> it's gone through the cracks. How do I get a feeling we'll be talking about Geostorm in answer to the question next year? If you could go back in time. <laughs> oh, it looks glorious. All right, on that bombshell, Paddington 2 and John Wick. There's a double bill, isn't it? That's I would watch it. I would I would watch the hell out of that. Uh, that is it for our epic review of the year podcast. And as ever, thank you for listening throughout the year. We're always blown away by the, uh, the support that you give the podcast, either with the weekly ones or the spoiler specials or the live shows. And hopefully there'll be another one or two of those next year as well. We're back with the regular podcast on Jan 6th, Friday, Jan 6th. So do listen out for that. Until that momentous moment, it's goodbye from Nick. Goodbye. It's goodbye from James. Peace out. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh. It was unexpected. <laughs> it was. I, all the years I've known you, I don't think you've ever said peace out. No, I'm, I was trying something new. Did it not work? It, it didn't, didn't work. work. It didn't okay, work. I'll never do it again. Stop. And it's goodbye from Helen. Happy New Year. Let's uh, hope it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's goodbye from me. I'm off to share a cheeky Nando's with Ben Daniels' moustache. See you guys next year. <laughs> What? Just it's a perfect and, way health and safety it's, might have to get involved it's a like, great that way wrong. of getting a free Nando's excuse me sir there appears to be a moustache in my peri peri chips and then they just give you chicken checks wow I've, honestly I've thought this through this is huge this, <laughs> this is huge this is definitely the way to end the review of the year it really is in a shambolic fashion <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening once again see you next year bye bye <laughs>